Welcome to season two of Victim Meet Advocate. This season, we have a lot of great content and some new faces, both in the office and on here. We also have expanded to Instagram, where you can keep up with the latest Victim Meet Advocate updates. We can't wait to share this season with our listeners. Also, please note that some of the content discussed this season may be triggering to some listeners. Please be advised and remember to take care of yourself. Welcome to season two of Victim Meet Advocate. This season we'll be covering a wide range of topics relating to victims and the criminal justice system. Today for our pilot episode, we've decided to shine a light on National Stalking Awareness Month by dissecting an episode of the popular Netflix show, You. And I'm super excited to be back recording. I know you are too, Shannon. <laughs> yes, I am. So before we get into the episode, I wanted to take some time to chat about what stalking is. So everyone has a particular image that pops into their head when they think of stalking. They think of someone following someone, maybe a pair of binoculars and a hat pulled down real low. They might even think of a book or movie character who is way too obsessed with their ex-partner. So the question then becomes, what actually is stalking? So according to the Department of Justice, stalking means engaging in a course of conduct directed at a specific person that would cause a reasonable person to fear for his or her safety or the safety of others or suffer substantial emotional distress. So it's a whole lot of wordage and a whole lot of verbiage. But um, if we want to get more technical, the stalking code of Virginia fans out in flowery words how this act has to happen more than once. And once again, a reasonable person has to be in fear that something might happen to them. And but regardless of who is rendering this definition, it cannot be denied that stalking has to have a few things to meet those requirements. It has to happen more than once, and it has to put a reasonable person in fear. And I think like our specific code, or at least around here, because we are in a rural area, it needs to be like three or more times. Um, just because like in a rural area, we have like one Walmart here. Mm-hmm. So it's hard for like victims to, to say, yes, he's stalking me. Like, even if you know he's stalking you, like it's a little hard to prove it, I guess, in a court of law. If, you know, there's only one Walmart and you both happen to be there at the same time, like where else are you supposed to go? So that's why we always say three or more times. Um, And on that note, so it's also important um, to share some very real statistics that have been released by SPARC, which is the um, Stalking Prevention Awareness Resource Center. Nearly one in six women and one in 17 men have experienced stalking. Um, So we do see this crime affecting women more than men. However, that is not to say that men are not stalked either. Further, they found that the majority of stalking victims are stalked by someone they know. Many victims are stalked by a current or former, former intimate partner or by an acquaintance. While we may often imagine the stalker as this nameless person who has a weird infatuation, many times these are ex-partners or current partners of the victims. I mean, just to add a little note about Spark, they do a really amazing training if you ever get the chance to go. Um, and they really explain like why people don't report, especially men, like why that's so low because they you know most of the times it's like a crazy ex-girlfriend or something like that and they just don't feel like it's necessary to report it or to define it as stalking yes and i absolutely love the spark training it's one of my favorites and even when they offer like the generic one they do every um january i always am on it because it's so good so now that we've outlined what stalking is um let's take a second to set the scene for the show we're going to discuss if you've never heard of the show titled you and it's usually done in capital y-o-u um you might be a little confused so you originally started out as a lifetime series adapted from a book series by carolyn kepnes in the psychological thriller we follow joe goldberg a bookshop manager and serial killer who develops a 
deadly obsession with a young woman. This type of content can be a bit taboo in the victim services field. I don't know if anyone recalls our episode where we chatted with Isle of Wight, but we kind of touched on that and true crime and being consumed by victim advocates. Um, and it's just how kind of like consuming this material for a victim advocate can be a double-edged sword. And I think Chelsea, you had wanted to kind of mention something a little important on this. Because I'm the one who is weird, I guess, in this field and I like true crime. And I think that sometimes it can be sort of informative. Like if you didn't know what victim services was, sometimes those true crime episodes touch on victim services. Like the one, um, with Jeffrey Epstein, they yes. talk about the victim services and violating the victims crime, Victim Rights Crime Act and that sort of thing. So it's just like sometimes they can be beneficial um, to show you resources that maybe you didn't know existed. I usually watch them and I'm like, oh, I had no idea what this organization was. And so then when I know when I come back here, I can look it up and use their resources. Yeah, and that's definitely great. Like um, I know in like the Gabriel Hernandez case, mm-hmm. um, they mentioned a lot of like the victim services too. So I think that that's you know, it's right. like that double-edged sword because there is a lot of good stuff. Right. Um, but nevertheless, today we would like to outline some instances from the plot, the pilot episode, um, just because we don't want to give you any spoilers, especially me. I've only watched the pilot episode in which stalking is present. Further, we may also mention a few important instances in later episodes, but we will be sure to add spoiler alerts if those come up. Um, finally, if you are considering consuming the show after this episode, keep topics from this episode in mind, and you may be seeing Joe as more than just a down-on-his-luck funny guy with bad social skills. Also, there is Spark has a guide for you to follow and to use while you watch you um, if you want to kind of dive further into stalking and what that means and what that looks like. Um, so just to be transparent, I have seen all three seasons. Um, I actually started it one night while I was just scrolling through Netflix and I thought, oh, this looks interesting because, you know, they like draw you in that little monologue that yes. he does. And um, I, you know, I thought that it was really interesting that the Stalking um, Awareness Prevention Center actually mm-hmm. made a whole workbook on it. Right. And that really got me wondering, how bad is this show where, like, you can have a whole follow-along? So I have seen all the episodes. Um, I do find that the way that Joe is written, he seems a little more less, like, it almost diminishes what he does. And, like, we'll, we'll chat about this later as we get further into this episode. But there are just certain things that I think the writers both on the show and the original writer do that make it seem a little less I guess as bad as it actually is um and so I have never read the books I didn't know there was a lifetime series I've only seen this very first episode of the Netflix show and only because we decided to do this episode those are one of those true crime things where I was like "Mm, I don't know about that um and really because it's not true crime it's just made up crime but based off real crime um so I guess my initial thought is that the show does a does a great job of victim blaming um and they also do a great job and this isn't me being sarcastic this is me um saying how charming abusers and stalkers can be they recognize what they're doing is wrong but it's justified to them in some strange way um they put on a kind face for those around them so people don't ever believe this person could actually be doing this kind of thing and i thought that's how the show started out like we really got to know joe initially and so that's why i was like oh like i see him caring for kids and things that make me feel like he's just like it made you feel a connection with him and i feel like in real life that's true like you it might be your brother or your cousin or your sister who's a stalker and then you're like i can't believe this person would ever do something like that so it just i thought the show did a good job of 
highlighting Joe and doing a sarcastically great job of victim blaming. Yes, and I found that to be very, like, a very similar experience mm-hmm. to when I watched it. Was it just, it, I mean, we don't want to say humanize because mm-hmm. these people still are humans, but it made it almost diminish with the humor and, like, the little quips that he would make or, like, mm-hmm. the comments he would make where I would be like, you know what, I kind of feel the same way, like, come on, kind of thing. Right. Um, so when I was writing the script, I actually pulled up the episode in my office and watched it on my phone. And um, one of the first things I realized this time around is how much Joe talks, at least in his inner monologue. You know, I mentioned that earlier that he just, you know, they, they draw you in with his inner monologue. Um, and we notice that he usually makes these very sweeping generalizations and claims to know the motives and the like inner workings of the people around him that he's stalking. And the first couple of minutes of this episode has been establishing an interaction between Joe and the woman he eventually stalks, and her name is Beck. And this interaction is pretty normal for Beck. And this um, and is a lot of uh, it goes for like a lot of the first interaction someone has with a stalker. And unfortunately, these individuals don't go around wearing signs to let everyone know, hey, you know, I'm talking to you now, but I'm going to go drive by your house three times later. Um, and, you know, as Chelsea mentioned, stalkers can come off as everyday normal people, and um, they do so so that they won't raise suspicions that they may be engaging in this behavior. And I sort of, this is the episode, too, where I sort of got, part of the episode where I got sucked in, um, because I just kept screaming at the TV, like, just ask her out! Like, yes. she likes you! And then I had to remember that it's not really about being with Beck, Mm -hmm. it's about the idea of stalking and meeting whatever need Joe has that stalking fulfills, and so I just had to keep going back into my advocate brain, but part of me screaming at this TV was like, just ask her out, be a normal human. Right? (laughs) Um, So, however, if you did notice something is off about the person you were talking with, or even what they call a gut feeling, trust your gut. Um, Our bodies are really good at sensing when something isn't right, and that can be at the first meeting, the end of a long relationship, or even on some random Tuesday in the middle. If it doesn't feel right, it probably isn't. And I think that's a great point to hit home with is just, you know, trust yourself. You know your situation. You can recognize a red flag. If something doesn't feel right to you, it's probably not. And make sure you take care of yourself. So as we continue through this pilot episode, we find out that Joe had a previous relationship in which she broke my heart, Beck, and that's his word, not ours. Anyway, that leaves viewers wondering if he was acting the same way with a previous woman as he was with Beck. I know that that was my first thought, and it immediately made me think, well, where is she now? You know, that was my first thought. Um, And this is also another thing to watch out for. Modern psychology tells us that people are creatures of habits and like patterns. So it wouldn't be surprising to see that he's had this behavior before. And when in a relationship, it's hard not to wonder about the people your partner's been with in the past and why those relationships didn't pan out. And it very well could be that the stalker's previous relationships were ruined by this behavior and that maybe these people are on to something. And one quick thing that I just wanted to add to is usually um, when you're trying to like lose a stalker or have them stop stalking you, the stalkers usually need something else to get that need met. So they need to obsess over something else or someone else. And that's usually how that stalking ends. Um, so, or a criminal case or something along yeah. those lines that might prevent them from having contact. Um, but that's sort of what they need. So I think that's, you know, that really lends to like modern psychology's thing about people are habits. Like they have to have that need met. Yeah. And I think that that also is a little disheartening too, because it seems like it's just this cycle 
that just keeps going. You know, you reset, you're focused on something else. Then when you get tired or something distracts you, then you reset. So right. I think that can kind of lead us into a big cycle when it comes to stalking. Absolutely. Um, so moving through the episode, one of the first things Joe does when he gets home after talking to Beck is he Googles her. And this is important because it opens up a whole new world of stalking that didn't even exist before the internet became a thing. So stalking in the 70s and stalking now are two totally different entities. Back then you had to work a little harder to stalk someone. Now it's very easy to do with just a few clicks of a button. So with just his few clicks, he learns um, a pretty good of information about her, such as her hometown, her siblings' names, her Instagram handles, and that most of her accounts are on public. Public meaning anyone who clicks on her links can see her content and the stuff she posts and um one of the scariest parts i think for me when i was watching it is when he reverse image searches a photo from her instagram and finds her home address and that always just it just creeped me out so much because i was like it is so easy to just drag that picture into there and then you're able to find a listing from say mm -hmm. zillow and um, it really is terrifying how much information you can gather from even just one photo no it's super terrifying i think this is the part that i was like screaming at the tv you know, like, there's so many resources out there now that tell you, like, don't geotag your photos. Because even if it's, like, a month later, they can still put it into some website and figure out what coordinates your house is at and put those coordinates into the map feature and find out exactly where you took that photo and when you took that photo. And that's that's terrifying because they can literally lay a timeline out of where you were where you were and when you were there and how long you were there for. And that's, that's super scary. <laughs> so. It gives me, like, shivers down my spine um and, and and it's a little frustrating because when dealing with a stalker you shouldn't have to put your life on hold or be denied things that others have like social media pages um however you can make some safety decisions such as locking down your profiles and approving every time someone tags you in something you can also on instagram approve follow requests so you can make sure and i think if i'm not mistaken instagram has a new feature where it um when you go to block someone for instance it'll ask you if you want to just block them or if you want to block anyone from this particular like account associated with like a phone number so like let's just say you block one um your stalker and then they make just like a new profile it will weed it out if it's connected with their phone number so i think that that was a really great feature that instagram came up with absolutely and it made me feel like you know people are starting to be more seen and they're starting to make proactive steps to protecting people um and social media plays a really big part in how joe is able to successfully stalk back little things like this could have set joe's progress back if she hadn't um, you know, had all that stuff. Um, and don't get us wrong because there isn't a thing that Beck could have said or done differently when interacting with Joe. Um, you know, and we don't want to seem like we're victim blaming because this show already does a lot of that. Yes. And it um and it's written in a way that makes you almost catch yourself thinking the same thing, like, Beck, why didn't you lock down your stuff? Like, come on. Yeah. And um, you know, it uh for example, as we get a little later into it, he comments on Beck how she it doesn't have her curtains closed or even on the windows saying haven't you seen a horror movie or watched the news and um that particular way that it's written can kind of lead to this culture in the society that blames the victim and wants to put all of the burden on them to keep themselves safe instead of just telling the person can't you just not stalk someone uh, this is the part of the episode where like my blood boiled because like what women do not think of these things um i think especially like in our generation like 
we've kind of grown up with people telling us how to take care of our social media and how to protect ourselves. I, I don't know if you remembered, but, like, growing up, they sent that thing was going around with, like, that news reporter who had interviewed a rapist who was in jail, and he gave, like, his things that he looks for when trying to identify a victim. Like, yes. if she's wearing a ponytail, like, he could pull her hair, like, mm-hmm. you know, or not, like, having... If a woman had something long, like an umbrella, like, he would stay away because she could hit him at a lar- like a distance mm-hmm. before he could sneak up on her. Like, so I think we've all kind of been, like forced to like learn those things like checking in the back seat of your car what to do if someone's back there so I feel like in now day and age like most women know how to protect ourselves if something mm-hmm. happens so it just felt very much like they made Beck look stupid for lack of a better word and not like she wasn't already thinking about these things yeah. especially even in the show when she first meets Joe and she kind of makes a comment about like he's not creepy or like whatever and mm-hmm. I think she was recognizing the situation wasn't awkward or weird or unusual. And Joe is really good at presenting this front that he's normal when in fact he's not. Right. Um, So another thing that Joe notes about Beck is how he thinks that she has horrible taste in friends. As the show progresses, and so this is a spoiler alert, um, Joe works to ensure that these friends have less and less interactions with Beck, subsequently isolating her until all she has is Joe. This is another tactic stalkers use as they find it easier to stalk someone who doesn't have a support network and knows they are less likely to reach out once they realize the behavior is affecting them. And I will just say that this reminded me, this piece of the show reminded me so much of domestic violence. I know this is all about stalking, but I sort of think stalking and domestic violence sometimes go hand in hand. Mm -hmm. And this reminded me so much of that. Like, in this show, it's really just to be able to have more control over Beck and to be able to easily stalk her or easily do whatever he wanted to manipulate her. But in DV, it's sort of the same way. Like, let's get rid of your friends. Let's isolate you from everybody so I have complete and utter control over you and what you do and who you do it with. So that's really just, I was like, oh, this really reminded me of domestic violence. Yeah, definitely. So as of now, we have at least four instances of active stalking techniques, all of which Beck is none the wiser to, and we're only 12 minutes into the first episode by the time we've, you know, gone through all these things. (laughs) And um, the episode progresses, and at one point, um, Joe convinces a maintenance man that he's Beck's boyfriend in order to gain entry into her apartment. So that's when I realized it started ramping up really high and um there when he's in there he goes through her things and ends up taking a few of her items before she returns so at this point um let's just say that this was not a show that this was real life and beck ends up becoming aware that she is being stalked and she reaches out we as victim advocates would have a couple of different things that we could do to help her um one of the things that we would advise her to do is get a stalking log and record all of the incidents along with keeping eyes out for anything that might go missing in her apartment Um, And Chelsea, I think you had wanted to chime in about this as well. Yeah, I just would tell her to sort of switch up her routine. Um, Don't do the same thing all the time. Take a different route home. Um, I know that Beck did have, you know, those classes that she was being a TA for. Mm-hmm. Um, so I know that she had to be there at a certain time, but switch up where she was going. Don't post on social media when she's waiting for some her friends to get there. Um, those kinds of things. So that, that way he could, you know, have less of a chance of following her. And he'd have to work twice as hard to figure out which way she was going home or where she was going or how she was getting there. Yeah, and I think another thing that I just thought about is we were talking about parking this morning and that just got in my head like you know don't park in the same parking space or you know if you're a day student and you only have like this parking lot is where you can park maybe switch it up a little bit Mm -hmm. or um you know maybe take like the sticker off your car that maybe has your initials so that it looks a little less like some like the car that you drive just little things and um another thing that joe does that i thought was 
really skeevy too is um he also was able to get into her computer and see all her text messages that were linked over her cloud so um iphone users have i think it's called the cloud yeah. is that what it is and um I think that that's a way that like I used to see that people in when I was in class could do it where like their text messages mm -hmm. could come up on their computer and they could yeah. text people that way. So um, just ensuring that you know you're logged out of your devices and that um, you approve all the devices that have access to that sensitive material can be a great way to stay safe. I think even I saw a TikTok where some girl had the um, Apple AirTags mm -hmm. that someone had put in her car. I think it was like an ex-boyfriend of hers and yeah. that's how he was able to keep track. But you know just trying to like keeping an eye out for it and and then if you notice that your phone is connected to something or you notice that something mm -hmm. looks out of the ordinary from your device, it's just keeping an eye out for those and taking a closer look. I often tell victims when they come in, but this is mostly with domestic violence, is to change your iCloud path, like change your Apple ID. Mm -hmm. So shut it down, restart it, let Apple know, give Apple a call, let them know what's going on. Figure that out because no matter what device you get after that, if you use that Apple ID, it doesn't matter if they're next to you. They can download something through your cloud. They can access all that stuff regardless of you got a new phone or you got a new computer or whatever. So just making sure that you change that Apple ID if you notice your phone is missing or if you think somebody is stalking you. Yeah, and going off of that, that was a perfect segue actually because... Um, it's important to know that you're not alone and remember that you don't have to give everyone the full story to get help. So like if you call Apple, you don't have to tell them, you know, the four year long mm -hmm. list of receipts. You can just be like, hey, you know, this is what's going on. I just need to change this. Yeah. And, um, you know, further like back changing the locks or letting her close friends or even the landlord know, hey, this is a problem. If you see this guy sniffing around, he is not associated with me at all do not give them any information about me so you know you don't have to tell them everything but you can tell them just enough so that they know that this is serious and that you you know will be taking these steps to help protect yourself and even just like maybe giving the landlord or her close friends like a code so in case he is reading her text message they can text her and say code blue and that means that he's around the corner or they've seen him in the neighborhood so she knows to protect herself or get out of her house safely um, so, moving on, by the end of the episode, there have been multiple instances that can be classified as stalking. The first episode alone covers a wide range of methods in which stalking can be done, some more obvious than others. As you progress through the series, you will find that Joe becomes more desperate to keep his hold on Beck and control over her life. If you do decide to watch it, keep those methods in mind. Um, and so now we just kind of wanted to finish out with our final thoughts on this episode. So Shannon, what are you thinking? Um, so I think that it's definitely, there is some dramatization and, you know, I, I, I think as advocates, it can be hard to kind of, you know, separate ourselves because we do this for a living. I, you know, like you mentioned with true crime, it is nice just to consume it and not have to be the person who has all those resources, the person who is keeping that person afloat. So, I mean, I still have seen all three uh, seasons. The fourth one, if they do have it, I probably won't watch it because I think they just went really, really off, like into outer space with their story. Um, you know, no spoilers there, but I just think as it goes, it kind of loses its luster. And I, but I think that's also a good thing because I think at some point you realize he's not funny anymore and this isn't a joke anymore. Like something's really wrong with this guy. Yeah. Well, I definitely thought something was wrong with him when he kidnapped that guy. Although I will say, like, sometimes vigilante justice seems a little right. And that guy kind of did deserve it for the way he turned it back. Yeah. But I think there is something crazy about Joe that's not okay and shouldn't be celebrated. Yeah. 
sorry I didn't mean to cut off your final thoughts, but I just, I couldn't yeah, <laughs> let definitely. that go. Yeah, um, I know that, um, you know, I remember, you know, when we were talking about this, I was like, okay, I was like, well, go watch it. And I was like, honey, you got a big storm coming because it just, it, and it escalates too. I think the show does a really good job of showing you how things escalate. So like at first it's just, okay, let me Google her to now I'm, you know, doing all these other things mm-hmm. that are moving towards completely just unacceptable and crazy. Right, like, it, the scene where he's, like, watching her get intimate and he's behind the bushes, I was like, this is, like, I guess what people typically think of a stalker, mm-hmm. but it goes so much deeper than that, and it, so the show did a good job of hitting sort of, like, real moments, mm-hmm. I think, but some some of it I was just like, this is crazy, I think I even texted you, and I was like, why did you not tell me this show is so yes. wild? And I was like, it, and this is just the tip of the iceberg. to watch it as Chelsea said keep these in mind you know just you know it, it is fictional it is a work of fiction but I think that there are a lot of really real things that are mentioned in there mm-hmm. so um that is all we have for today thank you so much for tuning in to the first episode of season two I can't believe we're already here it's already January um another thing we want to mention is that um this is excitedly the last episode that we will be doing which is me and Chelsea um next time we have an episode you may hear a new voice and that is because we have filled our part-time position we are so excited to welcome our new advocate and have yet another person to kind of chime in and really give us um, a real well-rounded and full uh, roundtable kind of discussion. So until next time, this has been Victim Meet Advocate.